Welcome to the Jewels and Jewels podcast. This is Hotel. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in once again. This is actually season two. We made it to season two of the Jewels and Tools podcast. So with that being said, make sure that you follow us on Instagram, Jewels and Tools podcast. Um, you can also follow me on um, Instagram at Coach Kale Inspires. You can look us up on Facebook, Jewels and Tools podcast. And you can also look up Coach, K, K, Coach K's page on um, Facebook as well. Um, but make sure, please make sure that you are following um, and subscribing to the YouTube channel, the Coach Kale YouTube channel. Um, you can just so search Coach Kale um, or you can uh, just search Jewels and Tools podcast and it'll pop up right there for you. So make sure that you um, that you like and make sure that you subscribe and also make sure that you have your notifications on so you'll know when we're dropping these. Um, so these will actually be dropped on every Thursday. Um, this will be the only time that you will actually receive um, a Jewels and Tools outside of a Thursday. But I was excited and wanted to get this first one done um, before I actually go into um, my new work week. Um, I got to return back to school um, on next week. Oh, and by the way, if you didn't know, I, I am a teacher now. So I guess that's the first thing that we're going to start off with is trying to really get you back up to speed um, to let you know what happened with the podcast while we took a hiatus. Um you know, some of it was because of the whole COVID, but before even COVID started, I think I was the first person on quarantine because um, I put my, I placed myself on um, self quarantine because um, I was getting tired of people. Yeah, that happens. Um, so I actually took a break off of everything that I wanted to rebrand the actual podcast because little, little known, little unknown tidbit um, was that when I first started the podcast, I was actually. Um, working with a company that I was attempting to transition out of. Um, so I'll give you guys a little bit of information on that. But the first thing that I want, I'm going to give you the story about how the last, basically just about last year has been. Um, but to tie the story to an actual subject, um, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. Um, prayer has been something that I have probably for like the last two or three years, um, have really started to um, widen my knowledge base, um, try to find more information, um, try to better my practice of actual prayer. Because for a long time, I, I just felt like um, the quote Andre 3000, you know, I just go to sleep before the ending. Um, my prayer life was very ineffective. Um, because, because one, I was doing it wrong Two, I didn't really know, um, the real purpose behind prayer. Um, and then three, um, my faith was out of whack. My faith was out of whack. Um, so to really, to, to jump right into it, um, I had been working for a company, um, a pretty big company here in the States. Um, for I think about five years, um, during that five year span, for the most part, I had a, I had a great run at the company, um, had a great run at the company, but with a lot of times, um, 
when you I'll put it this way. I'll act, I'll pose a question. How many times have you worked for a company um, and you really approached it um, from a competitive standpoint? Um, you know, you, tr- you made sure that your work ethic was bar none. You made sure that all the little things that they can bother you about, you made sure that you shined on, shined on those. Um, if you've ever been that type of individual, that's how I work. Um my work ethic is probably one of my better qualities. Um, and I think it stemmed from my mom. My mom has a great work ethic, but beside my mom having a great work ethic, um, I know for a fact coming up as a kid, I ate a lot of sandwiches with spit in it. Um, yep, you heard me right. I said that I know as a kid, I ate a lot of sandwiches with spit in it. And the reason why I say this was my mom was the person who would snap um, at restaurants. If you had a bad attitude, she was snapping you, you know. Um, so I know particularly, I still won't eat at this particular restaurant to this day. And I haven't lived in Jacksonville for 20 years. Um, the Wendy's, um, across the street from Gateway Mall, I, I know for a fact I've eaten spit sandwiches from there because my mom used to she used to go in and and and, and get it in, um, and during those times, like they, it used to be so embarrassing. But during those times, my mom would always tell me, "Don't you go to nobody's job if you ain't willing to work and do your job at um, to the best of your abilities." So uh, that's pretty much how um, I operate. When I'm working, I am working. Um, I work with a purpose. I work with drive. And I try to work to make sure that no matter what I am doing, I am making sure that I am providing great service, great service at all times. Um, That's one of my biggest things. So working with this company, um, I believe that I'm providing a great service, um, doing things the way in which um, I think I should do them. Um, so, um, for the last like two, two and a half, three years, I was working on the, on this team, um, where we use design thinking. Um, if you've never heard of design thinking, if you, um, are in business for yourself, um, or if you want to go in business for yourself, um, if you have any aspirations of adding anything to your, um, your toolkit, um, I would, make sure that I look up what design thinking is. Um, and if you don't feel like doing that on September 1st, I'll actually be offering a free course on teachable, um, to give you an introduction on design thinking. I think design thinking is one of those, um, if you big into the corporate arena, um, if you've ever heard people talk about the PNP, you ever heard people talk about green belt and black belt and all those things. Um, design thinking um, is going to be the next one of those things. Um, it's a great system. I think I think it should be implemented in our schools um, at an early age. Um, but, you know, that's not the place for that. So work for this company, um, work with a, a good team and we had got to the point where we had really started performing. So our, our, our whole job was basically 
to improve the experience for both our internal customers and our external customers, Um, whether it be through technology, whether it be through process improvement. um, These were the things that we're tackling on a daily basis. So not only were we doing that, we still had to operate under our core roles. Um, So on my my core role, I was actually a fraud investigator. Uh, I would take fraud calls, try to figure out what was going on, send them to another department, they do their work, send it back to me, get back in contact with customer. So I'm going through this process. Um, I'm outperforming just about everybody on my team. But the for whatever reason, I wasn't able to ascend. Um, and throughout my history, you know, I'm not going to make this about race, but um, I want people to understand um what what individuals like myself have to go through at times. And for me, this has been a historical challenge. This hasn't been something that just happened. Um, every place that I've worked, every place that I've attended school, um, even, you know, even places that I've been out socially. Um, when you are, when when you are considered to be a big black man, those are two strikes already. Me, I'm 6'2", I'm 335, um, 335 pounds, if you've never seen me. Um, and I thought I was a teddy bear. Um, but And I never thought that someone would just look at my stature and be intimidated until, uh, you know, people start calling me Shug. Like, I wear a red shirt. They're like, oh, you look like Shug. Um, So I had those two things going against me. And then the third thing, the third thing, the third thing that I know, um, and and I've been seeing it more lately, especially the past four or five years. Um, One thing that I pride myself, I think every every man of color prides themselves on something. Um, Some men pride themselves on athletic ability. Some men pride themselves on their competitive natures. Some men pride themselves on their looks. Some men pride themselves on the women that they can get like just There's something that every man is intrinsically tied to that that's that's part of his essence for me that thing is i am i i am a educated black man and i i remember the shirts that say danger educated black man i was like yeah that's nice um but i never knew just how dangerous being an educated black man could be um and so I'll get in. I'll, I'll explain to you why I say that. Um, but now remember, I said that this this part of this segment of the of the show, we're going to be talking about the power and the power of prayer. So I got a couple of rules that I want you guys to write down when it comes to prayer. All right. The first thing that I want you to write down when it comes to prayer. Um, And now when I'm having these conversations, when I'm communicating this, um, you got to understand for you people who your sanctification level is like 50 plus, that's not me. 
All right. My signification level is about three. Between three and five, depending on what day you catch me. Um, I still have things that I need to be delivered from. I still operate in certain manners in which I was raised. Um, I'll still, I'll still snap. You know, I'll snap and won't miss a beat. Um, so when I'm giving these things that I want people to write down, um, if you are 50 plus, this might not mean nothing to you. Um, if if you if you haven't even started the Christian walk, it might mean something to you. Um, so just keep that in mind. So the first thing that I want you to write down is that first, whenever you decide to pray and ask God for something, make sure that your actions actually meet your prayer request. Um, because a lot of people don't know the purpose of prayer for the first thing. For the first thing, prayer isn't a genie in the bottle. Prayer is supposed to be, I'll say, for the lack of a better, the courting process between you and God. All right. That's where you guys build intimacy. Um, one of the most important things that God wants you to do during prayer is actually build a relationship with him. God wants to be your friend. All right. So I didn't know all this at that time. So a lot of my prayer life basically consisted of what I wanted um, discussed with discussed with the feeling of not having enough um, God I'm mad with you and this is why I'm mad with you and then for uh, hurry up and do this that was basically what my prayer life consisted of so during this instance in my life, um, I got to the point um, I wanted out of the company. I really wanted out of the company. But my prayer request didn't match my actions. So when I initially started praying for it, what I should have done initially was just start saving up money and, you know, formulating my exit. Um, but that wasn't the case for me. And... Um, I was, you know, I was still going to work every day, hated going to work, um, hated working with most of the people that I work with, um, hated just hated knowing that, um, hated knowing that no matter what I did, no matter how I performed, I would never meet the standards of their get along game, you know, because sometimes when you work in these corporate places, you know, we still have to remember that a lot of the stuff is still like the good old boy system. It's not what you know. Uh, it's who you know. And to take it a, deep, uh, take it a step further than that, it's not only um, who you know, it's also how you decide to operate. You know, me, I'm not finna, I'm, I'm not finna go drinking out with you. I'm not finna do all of this stuff. Like, I'm a, I'm a man of principles and I stick by my principles. And a lot of people, when they meet a person who has principles, they take it for elitism. I'm no better than anybody, just like no one is better than me. But I have a set of principles that I live by. And then a lot of times if you're working in these corporate arenas and the get along game 
their principles don't meet with yours, a lot of times their career will be stalemated. Um, and so I was, that's what I was going through. And months were going by, I was still having the same prayer, still not doing what I needed to do in order to change the situation. So what ended up happening, what ended up happening was that um, God answered my prayer. And this was in this particular prayer was one of the first prayers that I saw God answer. Like I, I, I saw it. Um, and when God answered the prayer, it put me in awe. Um, it didn't immediately put me into praise. And that leads to my next thing that I want you to write down. When you are praying, um, don't romanticize the answers of your prayers. A lot of times when we go to God, we're praying for something. Um, we will kind of we will kind of build up in our mind how the prayer is going to be answered. Um, we'll kind of build up in our mind that oh, um, the situation like we 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 will paint a a perfect picture of our prayer being answered. And I'm going to tell you right now, stop doing that because. When we allow ourselves to go through that process, we got to understand how this right here works and how this affects this, how the mind affects the heart. Um, so if you're praying for something and let's say you're praying for a brand new car. All right. Let's say we're praying for a brand new car. Um, you can go, you can pray, you can even be specific you can say, hey, all right, God, I want a 2020 Silverado extended cab with the works, with a, a drawback cover um, with 500 miles. That's very specific. You know, we can get very specific. But, but just because you're specific of your request doesn't mean that. you're going to be specific on how that prayer is going to be answered. So what I was doing, I was praying for God, but praying for God to answer a prayer for me to make a, to make a trend away from transition and an opportunity for me. But when it presented itself, the way that it presented itself, I thought I was like, Oh, it's all over with. Like everything is done. I'm I'm out of here. Like so give you back to detail. God knows his children. And I have never been one to really walk away from a job. Um there's only I think one job that I can remember walking away from, and that was UPS. The underpaid slaves or not. I quit at UPS on my lunch. They made a mistake of giving us our check at lunch on our lunch break. That was the last time UPS saw me. <laughs> that, was last, that was the last time UPS. I got my check. I went home. Um, other than that, any job that I worked at, I've had to been I had I've had to be terminated um, for its end, or I had to um, I had to go through something 
so ridiculous that I, it, I had no other choice but to quit. And I can't remember. I really can't remember the last time I, I quit a job other than UPS. I know I've quit other jobs, but I just can't like remember the situations or anything. So um, in order for me to quit this job, uh, I'll give you a compressed version. Um, at work one day, had a meeting with my management team. I was beefing with my immediate manager team. I got a year review that I didn't agree with. Um, so I requested to speak with um, levels of upper management to discuss my grievances. Um, doing this process, right after I requested a meeting, I got written up for something that was that was crazy. Um, they were trying to say I'm still in time. Um, but doing the process of them trying to prove to me that I was still in time, I proved to them that um, I proved to them that they were wrong, that something was wrong with the system. Um, and come to find out it was it was it wasn't just me. It was a lot of people that were affected by this. Um, some people who they had actually terminated um, because of this issue, um, but they didn't know how to defend themselves. So going through all of that and. In the midst of that, I was up for part of my. I had a. I had a. I had a five-year plan um, to become an executive coach for this company, and one of the first steps in order to take me on that, I had to get into the training and development department. And I was actually interviewing with the training and development department when they came with this trumped-up stuff about time and all of this stuff. So, um, the first strike and. The first strike was trying me. That was the first strike. The second strike was telling me that, um, like I was actively interviewing. Like I was, I was like one of the finalists for the positions. Um, and they called me into the office um, on a Thursday and was like, "Yeah, until we get this figured out, you can't apply for this position. We're gonna hold your application." Da, 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 da. So I was already after after that. I was I should have quit that day. I should have, I should have just walked away that day. But like I said, my prayers, I hadn't been, my prayers didn't meet my actions. My actions didn't meet my prayers. So I didn't quit that day. Um, I took, it was, it happened around my birthday. So um, I was off for like a week. I came back to work. Um I came back to work the first day that I was back to work. We had made some changes. Um, our team had been dismantled. I was back into like my core role. Um, long story short, I'm at my desk. I had a meeting with management. After the meeting with management, I had walked to go get food. After I walked to get food, talked to my wife on the phone, got back to my desk. Because um, basically that was the meeting that they were telling me that um, – that the time was wrong, uh, that it was wrong, but uh, somehow they end up owing me money. I was working. I was working. The time that I was working didn't match the time that I was clocking in. Something crazy. But anyway, they, they end up having to cut me a check. Um, but even though they cut me a check, they still wrote me up because they said it was still mismanagement of the system. So, yeah, whatever. So, I'm on the phone talking to my wife and I'm telling my wife, I'm just like, she was like, well, that's a good thing. Da, 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 da. Uh, you should be good. And I was like, no, no, I don't think. Um, but I'm still saying, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. 
I still had butts. Um, I didn't, I didn't have anything solid. So go through this process and I go back to work. I'm sitting at my desk. Next thing I know, I got three police officers tapping me on the shoulder. <laughs> work. We got three Hillsboroughs County sheriff's deputies tapping me on the shoulder while I'm on the phone. Do, fill out a fraud report. I finished the fraud report. Looking at them like, yo, what, what's going on? Long story short, somebody said I called in the bomb threat. Somebody said that they heard me over tell somebody else that I was going to blow up the building. Yeah. So I go downstairs, like, it's a whole crop. I don't get arrested, none of that. Like the whole the whole ordeal with the police might have lasted like 15, 20 minutes. Um, so I'm 38 hot. I leave work that day. When I get home, members of my management team are calling me and they're basically telling me that they really don't know what's going on. Um, which I, I, I still don't believe to this day. Um, I think it was kind of orchestrated. I, I I really think that they thought that I think they were trying to push me to my limits um, to get me to quit versus um, them having to go back and forth with me um, in intellectual debates. I'll put it that way. Um, So go through this whole process. They call me that day when I get home. But when they call me that day, when I get home, they inform me that, um, they have to do an investigation, so I'll be put, placed on leave, but I'll be getting paid this whole time. Now, this was back in February. Um, I think that's when I first started the podcast. And so I was actually home. It took them almost three months to do the investigation. Almost three months. I don't think I went back until January 4th. I think May, I want to say. Um, it might have been April. I'm not, I'm not even 100% sure anymore, but either way... Um, that time at home really allowed me to start to really push the Jews into a podcast. So um, they did their investigation. No wrongdoing on my behalf. They called me back. Um, and like an idiot, I went back. No, no, I'm not going to say like an idiot because it, it, it allowed me to see God in action. So went back to work and I think the reason I think the reason why I went back was because I thought I was going to get my way. I thought I was going to be able to circumvent the process that God had me going through because of because of what God wanted me to do and go and get back into this coveted position, the thing that I had planned. And um, my first day there, I was so uncomfortable. I was just like. You know, I had been home for I had been home for almost ninety days. Um, I think I'd been home for like sixty eight days, sixty eight days. Because when I went back, um, I had like twenty two days on the ninety day probation left that they had for me. So um, I was just so uncomfortable that I, I I really couldn't even perform. Like I didn't even want to do my job no more. And like I said earlier, you know, my mom always told me don't don't work at a job. If you're not going to work at your job. So I wrestled with it for like two or three days. Um, that Thursday, I got up. Um, 
I woke up at my regular time. Um, no, I take that back. I didn't. I, I woke up at my regular time, but what woke me up was the thing. I was having a dream um, that at the time I didn't know was a dream. I was I was having a dream that I was sleeping in my bed and that my wife turned over and she told me that um, you need to stop circumventing the process. But the voice that came out of my mouth, my wife's mouth, wasn't her voice. Uh, it was the voice of God. Like, and it woke me up because I, I've heard the voice of God audibly. That was the fourth time that I've heard in my life. Um, so when I hear this, it's at like six forty-five in the morning. Um, I always beat my wife out of the house. Um, that's just because of how I operate. But this particular day, it was 9.30. I was supposed to be to work at 10 o'clock. She had left for work for like 9.15. I called her at 9.30. So when I called her, no, it wasn't even 9.30. It was, I might have called her at like 11.15. Like, cause I, I just, I physically could not get out of my house. Like I literally got up, showered, shaved, put my clothes on, got back in the bed. Like I just, I, I didn't have the energy. Got up, changed my clothes, <laughs> put my sleeping clothes back on, laid back down, because I was, I was just gonna call in. Um, but what eventually happened, I ended up calling my wife, and I told my wife, "Yeah, I think, I think today is the day." And so um, she, she was just like, "Yeah, I've been into it. Um, just do what you got to do. I'll talk to you about it." So I went, I went. So went straight to my manager. Um, while until I just uh, basketball shorts and uh, I don't think I, I might have had a regular t shirt on, but I walked in to like hey, she was like she was like um don't get what I wanted or what I needed within a certain time frame. I feel like it's okay for me to say, okay, I can now stop thinking that my prayer is going to be answered or that my prayer will be answered. And now I'm going to go and do it my way. And that's how I've always lived my life. Like, even if I ask my parents for something and my parents took longer than I wanted them to, to get it, I was going to try to figure out a way to get it myself so I can go ahead and get what I want. And that is that that has been a flaw of mine. That is something that I'm still currently working at. Um, but that's how I operate at times. And so I left this company. Um, I left this company, and I think at first they they were cool with it um, because they just thought it was just. I think they thought that it was the best thing for them, but then. After like another month or so, I started getting, I'm, just like, I'm getting calls from HR and I'm just like, yo, like, why are you calling me? <laughs> I'm done. Like, you don't have to do any reports. This is over with. Um, that's a closed chapter in my life. And this is how I know that kingdom purpose is real. So the next thing that I want to talk about, when we talked about prayer. The next thing I'm going to talk about is kingdom purpose. Um, and how your prayers should be connected to your kingdom purpose. 
back when I was like 20, 21 years old, I was attending FAMU. Um, I was having a tough time actually figuring out what I wanted to major in because originally I went to FAMU to get in their SBI. And my first year, um, my first year at FAMU, I made oh, I, I, I made a judgment call. So my first semester, uh, you know, I was I was my whole reason for going to college. I'll be I keep it 100 with you. My whole reason for going to college was that I want to put I wanted to put me and my homeboys in a position to where um, we could own multiple businesses. But the dream business for me was to have an entertainment complex. Um, and so I wanted to own a strip club. I wanted to own a strip club, a dance club, a eatery, and a hotel all on the same block. Like that was my life stream. That's what that's basically what I talked about. Um that's basically what I talked about probably from the time I was in ninth grade until I was probably 20, 21 years old. Um, that and being a lawyer or being a sports agent. Those were the only, those were my only three things. Um, and now that I go back and look at it, I never really focused on anything for any of those because um, I believe that certain, I believe that we all have a kingdom purpose. Um, and we all have callings. And I think that some of our callings, um, God doesn't give us an option to run from. And the reason why I say this is that I was going through a process trying to figure out what I was going to major in because I didn't want to get into SBI because I found out they didn't have any entrepreneurship classes. At that time, they only had one entrepreneurship class. One one entrepreneurship class that wasn't even taught in the SBI building. It was taught by an old white dude. And I, I think his classroom was like a shed behind behind or next to the ROTC building. Like he was real ducked off. Real ducked off. And that was the only entrepreneurship class. And I could not for the life of me. I could not understand. And I still don't understand um, why we didn't have an entrepreneurship class. Um, entrepreneurship tracked for SBI and they had a whole entrepreneurship major at FSU, but I refused to cross them train railroad track. So I decided just not to, um, not to continue my endeavors to get into SBI because at first they didn't, um, accept me. They put me on a probationary thing. Um, they had to see what, um, how I performed the first year first, um, which I didn't understand. Um, so once I found out they didn't have the classes, it was for SBI. So I was trying to figure out, I was, I was in general studies. Like I said, I was 20. I was supposed to be getting out of college. I was just really in my mind, really starting college, really starting the collegiate process. And my aunt called me out of the day. And I have an aunt, my aunt Gina. Um, I have learned over the years and this was, I think this was my first time experiencing it. If my, my aunt has the gift of prophecy, if my aunt has a dream about you and she lets you know the dream, 
it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It, no if ands, buts about it. The timing might be a little bit off. It might not be as crystal clear as she said it, but it's going to happen. So my aunt told me when I was 20, 21 years old um, that God told her that I was going to be a teacher. I laughed as soon as I got off the phone. I was like, ain't no way I'm going to be no teacher. But a year later, I needed to have a minor in order for me to, I was trying to prepare for graduation. And so I didn't have a real minor because I had been in general studies for like two or three years. So I end up, I picked my major. My major was economics, but I had to pick a, pick a minor. And the classes that I had taken, the only other program that would, that I could complete within my, my time frame was secondary education. Started taking education classes. Now, I haven't given any thought to teaching um, since then. That was back in 2004. I hadn't given any thought about teaching. Now, before I left the company that I worked at, um, they had built a, par- a partnership with Junior Achievement, right? And this was a way because I hated the place so much, this was a way for me to spend more time out of the building, not having to do my job. So I started doing junior achievement. And while I was doing junior achievement, I was catching the eyes of, you know, other employees. They were like, dang, you're really good with these kids. And I'm just, you know, because I've always been good with kids, so I just wrote it off. Hey, I just know how to deal with them. You know, they like my shoes, you know, because that's, that's most of the time with kids, that's their drawing point to me, our sneakers. They see my sneakers, we start having a conversation. We start having a conversation, I'm like, oh, all right, I can rock coach. Um, but it got to the point where we would go to the school, especially if we had to go more than more than once in a week. Um, their administration was like, hey, you ever thought about teaching? And so after like the, the second or third time, I started thinking about it. So but like I said, I hadn't really prepared to leave this job. So, you know, I had those two, I had those, you know, that time off where they were paying me. So I was actually able to stack some bread, but I wasn't able to stack the bread to the point to where I could just, you know, just throw my hands up. So, um, for the rest of the school year, I started subbing for Kelly services. Um, subbed at a, at, at a lot of different schools and I started to see that there was a need, um, not, a need for teachers in general, but a great need for teachers of color, and then also a great need for male teachers of color. Um, and I'll tell you what got me. I'll tell you what what really, really pulled at my heartstrings. So um, earlier, I would t- I, I was telling you all that you know one of my one of my crosses that I have to bear is being big black and educated it scares the hell out of people um but it really really scares for some reason white women them karens i had so many karens in my life but i didn't know they was karens at the end i just thought they was crazy as white women but um i was i was subbing at one of the schools here in town and 
it was almost like I was having an out of body experience. I was some, I was looking at an exchange between a student. Now this jit had to be about maybe 14, 15, 16, six, um, and he was having an exchange with a teacher who I think even rocked with him a little bit, but the exchange went like this. Um, you need to use your size. You need to use your size. Like you, you can be a millionaire. Just use your size. And that thing hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause I was like, you know, Instead of having a, a conversation with the boy, just figure out what he's what, what what his passion is, and try to try to take that conversation and 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 mold it into something that's a burning desire for him. You just told him use your size. Like you don't even know if this boy like sports. You know what I'm saying? But that that was the conversation. And I could tell by I could tell by his facial expression that. He wasn't com- like it wasn't that he wasn't comfortable because you could tell it was a teacher that he rocked with, but you could tell that he wasn't even on that. So after they had a conversation, um, the next day I saw him, I pulled him to the side and had a conversation with him. And come to find out, the boy wanted to be a chef. The boy wants to be a chef, and his entire life, people have told him to use his size to get what he wants. Um, and so it, it really, it really poured at my heart strain because, you know, there, there are people who still to this day look at me and like, cause you ain't no play that. Like, like you ain't do that. Like you ain't do this. You ain't do that. Um, and the answer is no, I never like, I never even would practice. Like if I didn't have practice, I wasn't going home and practice. I wasn't. I wasn't on that. Like, I, I'm. I was a creative individual, and I. I just didn't know I was creative at the time. And unfortunately, there weren't a lot of avenues for me to really express my creativity. Um. So, all that being said, it started making me look at our education system. Um. It started with looking at the education system, and then. The last three weeks of the school year, I worked at Slide Middle School. Slide Middle School in the Springs. If you're from Tampa, um, you already know what Slide at. You already know what the Springs is. I don't have to get into it. Um, but that's like, I tell you, Slide, Slide Middle School would be like East Side Junior High from off of Lean On Me. You know what I'm saying? Like it give it give you them type vibes, and so I'm working in the school, and I can tell that I'm having a positive impact on the kids. Once they figured out that that I want no simp, um, that they weren't gonna be able to try me, everything was cool, and this is how I didn't know what God was doing then. After like after you go through certain things, you'll start to see how God had already lined everything up. Um, I went to a couple of schools, started working at Sly. The, the, the class that I covered, um, I never thought for one instant that I would teach math. 
Um, not saying that I don't like math. Not saying that I'm not good at math. I've always been good at math. Um, I'm very proficient in math. Um, but math was just not math was not something that I that I really concentrated on uh, unless I needed to. So the assignment at Sly was for the cover of math teacher. And so I'm working with the kids on math and I'm just like, yo, this is they need help. They they need they, these kids need some help. They don't, they don't know how to divide. How you in eighth grade, you don't know what a fraction is. Like I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted, right? Um so the school year ends. When the school year ends, I get into an uncomfortable funk. And when I get into this uncomfortable funk, that's where <laughs> Jewels and Tools podcast season one ended. Um, one of one of another one of my flaws is that when I am going through a process, when I am attempting to create something, um, when I'm going through a process, when I'm attempting to create something. I can, I can get down. I, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna say depressed, but I internalize a lot of things. And with me internalizing a lot of things, um, I once had someone tell me I'm like a volcano. Like I, I I'm very easygoing. If you wrong me, um, you probably won't even know it um, unless you are around when the volcano explodes. So. I've been internalizing all this stuff because at that particular time, um, I didn't feel like I knew I wasn't getting just due at the job that I was working at. Um, I felt like I wasn't being appreciated in my home. Um, I wasn't being appreciated by my my wife. I didn't feel like I was being appreciated by my daughter. I didn't feel like I was being appreciated by my mother. And for anybody who knows me, um, those three women are the three women that hold all the weight in my life. Um, they are, those three are, they make up 60% of my everything. 60% of my everything. Everybody else falls in up under them. So I'm going through this process and things aren't right with neither one of those relationships. And for the first time in a long time, I felt inadequate. Um, and the reason why I felt inadequate was because I had romanticized the way in which God would answer my prayer. I figured that once I left this particular company that I was working for, that I was just going to be ushered into a new, bigger, better position and that it would come easy and that I could just do a praise dance and I could tell everybody how, how, how God um, transitioned me and ascended me up and all this stuff. Right. So now on top of all these other frustrations, I'm now starting to get frustrated with God. Right. I'll be the first one to admit to you. There have been plenty of times in my life that I've been frustrated with God. Um, but through but through his goodness, 
he he was setting things in motions to really show me an outpouring because I know now that God needed me to get my faith in order. But in order for me to get my faith in order, there were some fears that I would need to address and that he would need to address. And that would be only right because we're in a relationship together. Me and God are in a relationship together. So there's not there's there, there shouldn't always be one person doing something when you're in a relationship. There should be a shared load. And so but what I was doing wrong, I was taking these loads that I that, that I was having and I were I was letting them to affect me internally. So um, we actually went out, went out of town um, and at a family event, I snapped. I snapped. And did I have reason to snap? Probably did. Probably did. But I ended up snapping and I ended up having a very um, thought provoking conversation with my mom, my daughter, my wife and my aunt. Um, so I'm going through that. We, we have this conversation. We have this great weekend and I come back to Tampa and I'm just, I'm starting to get anxious. I'm starting to get anxious. And for the first time in my life, I knew I just, I, I needed to get away. So, um, well, I'm not going to say the first time in my life. One of my flaws in my life is that I am a caveman. And um, when I say that I'm a caveman, um, my cave has been um, attached to my survival. Um, that's how it was before, because I would go into my cave and that's where I would... Um, I wasn't doing a lot of praying in my cave for one, but that's where I would attempt to facilitate what needed to happen in order to solve problems. Um, that's what I would do because that's what cavemen did. They would go in the cave. They would try to figure out how they was going to hunt and gather the next day. So basically that's what I was doing in my cave and I was going into my second year of marriage and I was still going into this cave by myself. I had invited my wife into this cave and it was a lot just being thrown at me. So I said, you know what? Throw my hands up and I just left. I told her, I was like, man, look, um, I need to get away for a couple of days. Um, so I, I, I packed up, um, had my brother and my nephew come get me. Um, and I went back to Jacksonville. I went back to Jacksonville for a couple of weeks. And God moved in a way during that trip that I didn't know what was about to happen. But for the first time, I, I, I had a feel of ease. It was almost like I could breathe easier just because I took that time and it wasn't time away from anything. It was time for me to, because I had did so much 
in the past five years. Um, a lot of people don't know. I was I was I was working multiple jobs at one point. Uh, I think I was working like three jobs at one point. After I stopped working the three jobs, I was working one job, but that one job was like working two jobs because all the time that I was working because we had like overtime. And then on top of that, I went and got, I got a life coaching certificate. I got a bachelor's degree in psychology. And then I followed that up with a master's degree in psychology. And I was actively working in, um, in our, um, um, which um, student ministry. Um, I was I was providing free life coaching for kids. I was I was doing. I was getting prepared to get married. Um, I'm still trying to you know deal with my daughter. Still trying to still doing the family stuff. And that two weeks allowed me to see that okay, one. You got to get better at what you're doing. You got to get better at what you're doing. You you have to become better. You can't you can't wait for anything or any other circumstance to become better. You have to become better. Um, so I allowed myself to go through that process. Um, I allowed myself that time, and then when I got back to Tampa, I knew that it was critical for me to make changes to make changes not for not just to be making changes but really to make changes for my mental health so um there were there was a there were a lot of things that I was doing that I just cut off just cut off um had to just cut those things off and I was just I, I, I was becoming more mindful of listening to God and submitting to God's will because a lot of the times when you are waiting to hear from God, God isn't making you wait. He's just waiting for you to submit. He's waiting for you to let him know that, OK, I'm willing to submit. So I just started just trying to listen to God and, you know, find God in the right places and not the wrong places. And throughout this process, um, I'm still trying to figure out, okay, what I'm going to, what am I going to do to provide for my family? And I go through, while I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do to provide for my family, um, I get a call out the blue. I get a call from a lady. Um, she she goes to my church. No, no. The lady texts my wife. <laughs> the lady texts my wife and I was like, yeah, um, I'm at the school and we're hiring. I think your husband put in an application. Um, have him contact so-and-so and do this, do so-and-so. So I get in contact with the lady and the lady calls me Coach Kale. So I, I know that she has like she she has to know me. So I'm trying to figure out who she is. And can't can't make the connection. Um, all she tells me is that hey, this school is hiring. Um, you need to be here by this day at this time. Fill out the application, and then we'll set you up for an interview. So 
I listen to her instructions. I'm still trying to figure out who this lady is. Um, I go to the school. Um, come to find out, the school is literally five minutes from my house. Five minutes. Five minutes from my house. I could have walked there every day if I wanted to. So, go to the school, and I sit and talk with the principal. Um, this this lady doesn't know um, how she has impacted, positively impacted my life because she gave me a chance to do something that I never thought that I would be able to do or even would like doing. Um, I said, we had a conversation with her. I filled out the application. I, she took me in our office. I had a conversation with her. The conversation made it lasted 10 minutes. She said, look, um, sometimes I like to go off energy. Sometimes I like to go off of um, resumes. She was like, you have a, a, a nice looking resume um, for a corporate guy. She was like, but, you know, I need a teacher. Um, but your energy tells me that you're going to be my eighth grade math teacher. Now, remember, I just said that I was at Sly in a math program. I was just like, yo, what is this about? But, and I told you how it aggravated me. I am a firm believer that a lot of times your purpose in life is born out of aggravation. And so this lady gave me the opportunity to teach eighth grade math, right? And I was never afraid. I I I, I just felt like I felt like if if I could if I could teach my brother math and my daughter math and they could get it that I could teach it to other kids, right? So I took on the responsibility and I'm telling you, y'all, this school year, I have experienced, really, this this whole entire year, I have experienced the greatness of God in a way that nobody could imagine. Um, peace and joy, those are those weren't things that were readily accessible to accessible to me all the time. But I have really experienced those this year with having that opportunity. Um, I went in and it was, <laughs> it was a lot of chaos. It, it was a lot of chaos, but it was chaotic. It, it was chaotic to other people. It really wasn't chaotic to me. Um, because I guess during my time in the wilderness, which was corporate America, I learned how to deal with change. And this particular school at the time, they were going through a lot of changes. The principal was new, new staff, like a new way of doing things. So it was it, it was a lot of chaos. And I just didn't feel it. Like, I was just like, OK, cool. You know, I, I, I did have I've had. I've had issues that we had throughout the year that I spoke strongly on and things of that nature. But as far as the chaos that was around me, it was like it was it shook a lot of people. It didn't shake me at all. So I'm going through this and I'm really seeing that 
God has gifted me with the ability to connect with young people. Um, to anybody who listens from out of my eighth grade class, I want to make sure that you know that I will always love you guys and appreciate you guys for what you guys taught me this year. Um, those kids really taught me um, about practicing what you preach for one. For two, um, those kids, they don't know that they taught me this, but those kids taught me discipline. One of the things that I felt like I had been missing out, um, one of the things that I felt like that I didn't possess was a lot of discipline um, and willpower. And those kids taught me that. They taught me discipline because there were certain things that I could not do in my personal life because I had to make sure that I was prepared to stand in front of them every day. Um, there were things that there were ways of thinking um, that I had to change in order to meet them where they were. Um, and then one of the biggest things that they probably won't say that this, but they really taught me patience. I had to learn patience with these kids. Um, they probably like, nah, Coach Kale went patient. Coach Kale was on my head, um, which I was. Um, but I really, my, I, I'm, I will always have a special place in my heart for every single one of those students at that school um, who who I spent, had, the, had the joy of spending time with. Um, you know, they, they always say that, you know, you got it good when your job doesn't feel like a job. And for the most part there, especially when teaching, like the actual teaching aspect of it, was not a job for me. Um, and I was able, I, I think I think for my first year, um, I think I did a, 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 a hell of a job. Um, and I and I think I was able to teach the kids something that most te- most kids don't like um, because and the way in which I do it. Um, now the greatest thing now the greatest thing about this you know because we're still talking about prayer and everything um, the greatest thing about this experience though was that um, what God allowed me to see and. God doing this doing this time doing this like this past year God has really been showing out God has really been um, providing me with answered prayers and he's doing it in a way to where he's answering some of the most absurd I'm not gonna say absurd but he's answering the stuff that 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 really stuck out for me so Right when I started to go through the process of transitioning, you know, from transitioning from uh, a fear based operation to a faith based operation standpoint and really um, and really being intentional with my time and my actions, um, 
one of the reasons why that transition occurred was it was during the time when I was working three jobs and one of my jobs I worked overnight um, working for a car company where I basically drove 10 hours a night and this particular job um, you're all for the most part you're always alone um, so if you I think we used to drive from like seven up eight at night until six in the morning something like that um so you kind of run out of stuff to listen to um there were a lot of nights where i didn't listen to anything at all um there was one night in particular that um the prison of god manifested itself um and that was my my first light experience um but we'll have to get into that later um but during this time, I was I got a I got introduced to Eric Thomas. Um, if you don't know who Eric Thomas is, Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher, he's the world's. I think now he's the number one motivational speaker in the world right now. Um, just a passionate brother. Um, if you haven't heard of him, you've probably heard of him. You just don't know if you've you've heard of him. Um, he's the guy. Um, I'm fanning lemon pepper, Wingstop. Um, he does the lemon. He does the Wingstop commercials. Um, he has relationships with so many different sports teams. He goes and do, does motivational speaking for them. Um, but if you've been on YouTube in the last five years, you've probably seen or heard one of his motivational videos or seen a mixtape. But either way, I got exposed to him during this time frame and. Um, it was so crazy that my alarm clock was actually him. So he has this, he has a, a mixtape and on the mixtape, he has this thing called, I got tired. And, um, in this excerpt from, you know, one of his engagements, he's talking about how he got tired, um, of, 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 of not having the things that he needed. He got tired of not being able to go to his, 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 his daughter's events because they were doing work hours. Um, he got tired of um, eating out of trash cans because he was homeless at one point. He got tired. Um, and that's, that's, and then he talks about how um, he, because if he got so tired, that's how he started to step out on his own. So that was my alarm clock every morning, every morning. And I had it. I had the kids uh, once a week. We would listen to them. Um, long story short, I I go. I went out. I, um, me and my wife went to Washington D.C. Um, for our anniversary, we go to um, the Black History Museum. That was a phenomenal experience that God allowed me to take part of. Um, but when I get back, I get back. And so one of my jobs, <laughs> one of my jobs because of my stature again, um, we used to have a lot of problems with. So on our school grounds, we don't allow anybody uh, especially at dismissal time, we have a dismissal walkway. Um, and basically, we don't allow anybody into this walkway. Um, 
during dismissal uh, for safety reasons. So one of my jobs was actually walking this work um, after school, walking this this walkway because you know parents parents would do whatever they whatever you what most time they'll do whatever they want to do, but just because of my stature, I was a natural deterrent. I'll put it that way. So I'm working, I'm working at the gate and there's a car trying to come in the gate. I don't know this gate. <laughs> so I'm just standing in front of the car. And so they put me like, they hung it on. I'm just like, I'm not paying them no attention because I'm just like, all right, this must be one of the parents that I was trying to come through this gate. I'm not letting through this gate. So the late, uh, one of the officers was like, oh no, that's the chairperson. You got to let them in. And I was like, oh, well, they ain't supposed to come through here, you know, because you give me, you tell me to do something, that's what I'm going to do. So I ended up letting, um, letting the couple in. And so while they were parking, uh, the resource officer, she was like, yeah, you might want to go over there and introduce yourself. I think they like the chair of the school or whatever. I was like, oh, we got chair people? You know, because I don't even, you know, I'm t- I just worked out, you know, just be there and you be taken care of. So I go and introduce myself. Um, I apologize. Oh, I didn't know. You know, you're not supposed to go there. You know, have that whole little room room conversation. And so, um, while I'm having this conversation with her, she was like, "Who are you?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm Kellen, but everybody called me Coach Kell." And so she was like, "So you're Coach Kell?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess." So the week prior, before I went on my vacation, um. Me and one of the kids had a spat in class. That spat triggered um, his father to come to the school. And me and his father are having a conversation during planning period. And so the father decides that he wants to stay and sit in the class. I say, okay, that's fine. So while I'm teaching the class while the father is there, you know, I'm not changing up what I do just because we got somebody in there. But I thought he was like taking pictures um, or texting because I do know he, he's he's a businessman. He owns his own business or whatever or whatnot. Um, so I'm thinking that he's texting or doing whatever. He was actually recording me. And while I was going on my vacation, I guess he was trying to figure out who to send a recording to. So somehow or another, he sent like the VP or something like a video. And he's sending him the video and then a note saying, you know, that I was a good teacher or whatnot. So she, so the chairperson lady, she's, she's like, yeah, so yeah, you know, you know, this happened. And I was like, oh no, I didn't, didn't know anything about that. Da, 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 da. So she was like, yeah, she was like, um, yeah, you'll probably be hearing about it soon. Um, but, um, today we, we got to get, we got a surprise for y'all this week. And long story short, she says that Eric Thomas, is coming to the school. She was like, do you know Eric Thomas? And so when she said that, I'm just like, yeah, the hip hop preacher. Like, <laughs> so when she tells me that he's coming to the school, I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Now, five years ago, when I was driving over in that car, I, I said a prayer. One of my prayers was that I would have the opportunity not only to meet with him, but also to work with him. So the following week, 
Eric Thomas comes to our school. One of the greatest experiences that I've ever been through in life. He comes to our school, meets with, you know, with, with, with the mass majority of students. We have a little assembly. Um, but then after the assembly, he wanted to do a reading of his book with a select amount of students. They get the select amount of students. Just so happen to be eighth graders, the, the, the um, students that I teach. And they decide to take them into my room. Um, so I have E.T., his team, um, my eighth graders, and they read. They they read the entire book, and he gave all the kids the book. Um, and this whole time, I'm just like, yo, like I've never, I've never really had like role models, and um, I've never been starstruck. Like I've never been starstruck, like at all, you know. Um, but like I ain't gonna say. It. He, he he pretty much had me starstruck. I was just like, like, yo, like this is like this is real. Um, so I had the opportunity to meet him. Um, and now I'm actually preparing to actually work with him. You know, something that I something that I prayed for five years ago. Um and now I'm preparing to actually work with him. Like this is like like it's nuts. And that's just how God has been operating for me. So if you've ever been an individual, like you feel like God doesn't listen to you or you feel like your prayers aren't worthy. um, A couple of things that I will tell you to do. One, start start to form a relationship with God that is based on friendship. And when communicating to God, just communicate with God how you would communicate with one of your friends. That's why I would tell you to start off at. Start there. Once you do that, ask God to teach you how to pray. And I guarantee you, if you ask God to teach you how to pray, he will give you every single thing that you need in order to improve your relationship with each other. Um, I literally have four books that were just I didn't have I, I, I didn't purchase not one of these books not one of these books um, they were all given to me and now that I look back on it they were all given to me throughout the time span when I started to really pray to God and I think he had people give me these books because my prayers were so wrong. The way in which I was praying was so wrong. Um, and I'll give you three of these books that, that, that I will tell you that you need to purchase. Um, one, the first and foremost, it's a The Power of Simple Prayer by Joyce Meyer. You have to get this book. You have to get this book because... It dispels a lot of the foolishness and the legalism um, and the religious practice of prayer. And it it, kind of defeats a lot of the self-imposed limitations that we placed on ourselves when it comes to prayer. Um, 
prayer doesn't have to be this grand long with thus and these and thou's and sound all great. No, it doesn't have to be that. Those things have their place, but your thing is building a relationship. Um, and she just goes through the whole rigor Maru. Once again, that book is The Power of Simple Prayer by Joyce Meyer. Another great one um, that has really changed the way in which I speak um, in general, not just in prayer, um, is The Tongue, A Creative Force by Charles Capps. Once again, that's The Tongue, A Creative Force by Charles Capps. And he also has this uh, a smaller book called God's Creative Power. And these are little pamphlets, um, but he has like three or four of them. There's one for finances. There's one for health. Um, I forgot what the third one is. Um, and then the last book is the... Uh, The Battle Plan for Prayer. The Battle Plan. The Battle Plan for Prayer. Um, that one is actually based off the book that they had, the Prayer Room. Um, so, most definitely get these. Get those. You know, if you need help with actually learning how to improve your prayer life, I would actually start with those. Um, are just one of those. You don't need all of them. Just just start with one. Um, if you, if I had to pick one to start with, it would be the power of simple prayer. Because if you read the power of simple prayer, it's going to dispel a lot of the foolishness. It's gonna it's gonna give you the comfort that you need to create your own effective prayer life. Um, so I'm just looking to make sure. Um, I'm at an hour, but I haven't even got to this COVID foolishness. Looks like we're going to have two episodes this week. Yep, we're going to have two episodes this week. So, Thursday. Make sure that you tune in. I'm going to do part two of this. So we went through the first half of my year. So basically the first six months of after season one. Um, <laughs> we, got up, we got up in January of 2020. Um, so on Thursday, I'm going to go ahead and post this tonight. And then on Thursday, I'll post um, the next one. Um, so you can review. So, so you guys can tune into that so thank you for listening um this this isn't going to be our regular setup for the jewels and tools podcast it, it's going it's going to be changed a lot so be prepared it's going to be changed a lot um it's, it's totally rebranded but this is just the welcome back to the podcast podcast um so some of the things that you can be looking for um, I'm actually looking for a co-host. Um, if I don't find a co-host, you'll be having guests on just about every episode. Um, also the formats are going to be different. Um, it's not just going to be, um, talking in just in general. 
Um, so some of the new things that we're going to be doing, um, we're going to have community matter segment. Then we're going to have um, an entertainment segment. So I'm very big on books, movies, and music. Um, so we'll be having a, a, a segment on that. Um, and then we're going to have a relationship segment. And uh, with the relationship segment, um, I think that's going to be every third month, uh, every third Thursday of the month. And um, I'm going to do that with my wife. We're going to be doing Nail and Kale, Good People, Good Life. Um, and then after that, it's not going like it's I'm still going to be providing you with jewels and tools in order to, to make improvements on your life. But I'm going to make it more candid. I'm going to be make it more of me. Um, so the language might be different. Um the style is going to be different. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to have a greater entertainment value. Um, but the jewels are still going to be there. We're still going to be dropping jewels. Um, and we're going to be making it evident on the jewels that we're dropping. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, once again, make sure that on YouTube, you're looking at the Coach Kale channel. Make sure that you're subscribed to that channel. Make sure that you have your notifications cut on so you'll get those good notifications on when we post. Um, also, um, make sure that you're following on Instagram at Jewels and Tools Podcast. And then also you can follow me on um, Instagram at Coach Kel Inspires. Um, and then on Facebook, you just type in Kellen Gerard Allen. Everything will pop up, um, all the pages for the podcast, and then the Coach K pages. <laughs> as well um we also do we also starting i'm also starting a gaming company um so we're we're on twitch um we're on twitch we're on facebook we're on instagram and that's just coach Cal gaming um so we're doing that as well um is there anything else I think I think that's pretty much it. Um, so, thank you for listening. Um, be sure to turn tune in every week. Um, next week, I'll this week we'll just I'll have both of these posted. Um, so basically, twenty nineteen year review up to twenty twenty, um, and then the following week um, I have a I have a special guest um, that I'm gonna have on here. I can't wait. Um, so yeah, I look forward to, to, to hearing from you guys. Make sure that you leave comments. If you have any questions, um, DM message comment, I'll make sure that everything gets answered. So have a great rest of you. Have a great week. Um, and I will see you guys for part two on Thursday. Have a good one. I don't gotta be here. 